everybody, welcome to Studio Wesley Annex, our weekly discussion of the lectionary text. We are so, so glad to be back uh, with this uh, show and uh, really excited about the next season of Studio Wesley. Um, each, each episode, you're going to definitely see me and more than likely you're going to see Brooke as well, who's our digital pastor for Studio Wesley. And uh, each week we'll have a couple of friends with us, at least one friend, but po- probably two. And this week we've got Ty Revel um, here with us. Hello, Ty. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm awesome. happy to be here. Oh, man. And so we did have a fourth person that couldn't be with us at the last minute, but it's really okay because Ty really takes up space for two people. He's such an incredible human. And we're excited to talk about the text for the first Sunday of Advent. We are at the beginning of the Christian year, even though it's the end of coming to the end of the calendar year, beginning of the Christian year, Advent one. We're in year A, just if anybody's paying attention. So we're not just at the beginning of the Christian year, but we're at the beginning of the three-year cycle. And that's all kind of really fun, nerdy, um, liturgical stuff. And we're just, I'm excited. Brooke, are you excited? Are you excited to be here? She's unmuting so she can tell us just how excited she is. Yes, I am so excited to be here. It's like the highlight of my week. Month. I'm very excited. Highlight of the year. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Highlight of Christ, yes. Well, why don't we jump right in with an opening prayer? And so, Brooke, I'm going to invite you uh, to lead us. Um, Dear God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for bringing us together. Um, as we speak about peace and as we contemplate your presence in the world, um, what you're bringing to it liturgically, but also what you bring to it always, I ask that you'll fill us in our hearts with peace and love that spreads to everyone around us and that you'll use us to do your work of transforming the world and your goodness and kindness and love and mercy. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. So I just want to name that God bless my cat, Julian. He wishes that he could step in to be the fourth person. And I told him no. And so we're having a bit of a fight. So you might hear some bingle crying in the background. It's okay. Everything's going to be all right. Just in case you can hear the cat. You might not be able to hear it. And that's great. So with that, we are going into our discussion of the lectionary text. Um, We're looking at Romans 13, Isaiah 2, Psalm 122, and Matthew 24 today. And Ty's going to get us started off with Romans 13. So take it away, my friend. Okay. Um, So reading this text, I was really struck by um, the sense of anticipation and hope, which I think is very appropriate for this Advent season. Um, so Romans 13, 12 um, says that the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Um, and that that imagery of the night, like the 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 sun rising, right, um, is really standing out to me in this text. Um, I think that there's an obvious parallel that 
that we've we spent a lot of time waiting thousands of years ago waiting um for christ to come to us um and i think and maybe this is just me but i don't think i'm the only one um i feel like maybe i'm in a time of waiting now of noticing things that are happening in the world things that i'm dissatisfied with um and things that i think other people ought to be dissatisfied with as well um and i'm i'm waiting on things to to change um and i i don't know how much good waiting does um but there's waiting in faith that something will change um is better than than a cynical um outlook on the world that nothing will ever get better because there's nothing good here that's i don't think that's true um but i'm big on the idea that um that our prayers are a petition can be a petition to God and an adoration of God. But I believe that our prayers are also often a call to action for ourselves. Um, God, give me the strength to do this. Give me the strength to make a difference in the world. Give me the strength to make a difference in somebody else's life. Um, and so as we continue down into Romans in this, um, at the end of this chapter, um, it right. It says, "So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime. Uh, close yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh." I think this is a call to action. This is saying these are the things that you need to do, um, and it it just gives me this bigger picture that we are in communion with each other and we're in communion with Christ and Christ uh, and, and humanity together are doing the work of not bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth, but realizing fulfilling the kingdom of heaven on earth. Um, And I think that that speaks to me um, in a big way in this passage. So, I'm interested to hear what you all have to think. Uh, oh, man, I have so many thoughts that I'm going to actually hold on to a little bit because I'm going to talk about the Old Testament text in a second that leans in a very similar direction, which we would expect because it's selectionary text. But I do want to say that I loved, and, and Brooke, jump in here, but I loved your question, or maybe not a question, but the thought about like what's good what's good in waiting what's the point of waiting um and i think that that actually is one of those questions or those thoughts that like um when we allow that kind of question to be asked among us it does force us to look for the good as opposed to assuming the good and i think that some of that expectation is what's happening in this season of advent is that we we're naming the things that um and I need to hold back. I need to hold back because <laughs> so much of it's Old Testament text. Uh, in naming the things that we wish were, um, and and the and even in the realization of the ways that God is moving, 
we have to go look for that stuff, those events, that that real that those realizations, those images. They're they're not just assumed. And so I, I think that there's actual actually a lot of spiritual power in that. Just asking that question, what's the good in waiting? What's the point of waiting? Um, I appreciate you you bringing that up, Ty. Uh, Brooke, you got any thoughts on what Ty just brought to the table? Well, going off your thought, like what's the good in waiting? Um, it makes me think, y'all know I used to work, um, work at a school, an elementary school, and um, sometimes I would get frustrated with the kids who were being impatient and I would say um I'd say like do you know what patience means and they were like three so they were like no <laughs> like what does patience mean and I think the definition I usually used was patience is waiting with expectation that like it's going to happen <laughs> like patience is waiting like patience for a snack is waiting with with the hopeful and calm expectation that like, I'm going to get what I need. Um, and I'm just thinking of what, um, to me, patience holds so much of the human experience. Like this question for me of why, <laughs> why do we have to wait? And it's easy for me to understand why do we have to wait when I'm getting snack ready, <laughs> you know, because like physically, like I need to get snack ready and you can't be eating snack all the time and you'll get it before you're super hungry. Um, but it also holds the question of why do we have to wait for light? Why do we have night? Why is there winter? Um, I think this passage, the idea of the sun rising and the fact that we celebrate that we celebrate this season um, during the Northern Hemisphere winter, where even this year in Florida, I identify as someone who loves fall, who loves winter. But even this year, I've really been, been feeling the change in the time where it's so dark and like my body is longing for that light. Um, and I think it's it's one of those confusing things to me, theologically and philosophically, of why do we have to wait? Why is there a time of darkness and a time of light? But it's also a truth about the world that's true, that there's both. And wrapped in it is this expectation and this promise that we're hearing in scripture here that light will come, like you will get the snack that you need. Um but it reminds me, I believe that in a big way, like the world needs so much and God will mysteriously provide that light. And that's, that's the promise that we see in Jesus and that we receive in Christ. So I, I appreciate that invitation to hope. Oh, that's so, so good, Brooke. Oh, Ty, thanks for Bring in the Romans text. Um, we're going to go right into our Old Testament text coming from Isaiah chapter two. It's one of my favorite texts because Isaiah is one of my favorite books. Um, and uh, I, 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 I'm just, I'm tripping over my words because there's so much that I want to say. I, I, I just want to give this image of sort of what's happening in Isaiah two. One verses one through five are uh, the scriptures for the verses of that that passage and. I think this is an interesting image where you have the prophet who is trying to paint the picture 
of what is coming. This 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 is uh, deeply connected to what Ty just told us about th these images of expectation and anticipation and and hope and and why are we waiting? Well, here's why, or maybe what we're waiting for. We're waiting on this thing. And one, of, I love this verse, and it's like super familiar. It's been used in so many different contexts. But verse four. Uh, in the end of verse four, it says, then they will beat their swords into iron plows and their spears into pruning tools. Nation will not take up sword against nation. They will no longer learn how to make war. And that is an image that this prophet Isaiah is sort of putting up in front of the people and saying, this is where things are going. And don't we want this? And here's the thing that I find interesting. And I remember hearing um, someone, I can't remember exactly what this lecture was, but I remember hearing this particular part of the lecture where they said one of the things about hope, one of the things about expectation is that it always pings something that we already see on the inside. It always, it's never, it's, it's, it's hope is never based on something that is completely outside of our realm of understanding or possibility. Hope always pings something that in a sense we can already see, we can already imagine. In some respects, that's why it's so attractive. That's why it brings us life, It, it because we can see it and, and we understand it. And I would even argue that there's this thing that happens because of the Holy Spirit that we begin to understand things that maybe we've never seen. So there's this other verse, it's connected, but not in this text, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind could even imagine what God has prepared for those who love God. And yet when, there's this sense that when hope sort of arises, we, we get it because it's already there. It's been planted. There's another scripture in Ecclesiastes. God has set eternity in our hearts. And so that these ideas of hope and the realization of hope, I think, really pings to this idea that something's already on the inside. So when the prophet says they will beat swords in the iron plows, spears in the pruning tools, nation will not take up sword against nation, they will no longer learn how to make war. I mean, I, I, I think it begs this question, do we know what a world looks like that doesn't have war? Do we know what nations look like that are not at all interested in, in in rising up against another nation. And I think there's a frame that we're like, no, I don't actually know what that looks like. I don't know what it's like for a, a nation to not have a military budget. I don't know what it's like for there not to be strife between um, nations that share a border. I don't know. And yet, I think that if we're actually honest, we have an image. We have an image. And all the prophet is doing it's pinging that image that's deep down, probably. It's deep underneath all the things we already know. It's deep underneath all the things that we see, maybe even deeper underneath all the things we can imagine. And yet, I think that when the prophet says that, we're like, I can see that. I I, I can see that. Okay. All right. All right. And it's maybe it's cloudy. Maybe it's mysterious, but I think it's there. And so I think this is what the prophet's job is. And I think this is what Advent comes to do. Advent comes to raise up to, to, to sort of, how do I say it, to dig up all of those hidden expectations, those hidden expectations that are underneath what we know, 
what we see, and even the extent of our current imagination, Advent comes to bring up all the stuff that's underneath that and says, oh no, you know what this is. You know, you, you know what hope is. And I'm just gonna, I'm here, the spirit of Advent's here to dig that stuff up. Okay, that's what I got right now. Todd, Brooke, what do y'all think? Tell me I'm wrong. That's fine. I can handle it. I don't I don't think you're wrong. Um I I f- I find that I struggle with this. Um I you you said that um to imagine a world where there is no not not only that there is no war but there is no military there not nothing like that and i can't i can't i can't i'm i'm really trying hard to imagine what that looks like and i don't know um and i i also we're just in this incredible period of just like senseless violence and hatred um and I'm thinking now, as I, I thought about this earlier, and uh, of just the the recent shooting at the at the club in in Colorado, it is bringing up this. How 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 do we get to be in a world where that that doesn't happen? How do we get to be in a world where school shootings don't happen? Um, and right there, there is this in this 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 hope and i i i feel like i can i can almost see it i i can almost get there um but then another thing happens and it just sort of puts me back in my place right of well maybe there is there is no hope um but i don't i don't think that that's that that's the case um i just i don't i don't have an answer it's just it is um a painful truth of our reality right now. Um. I'm, um, yeah, I'm crying a little. I appreciate you bringing those truths to us, Ty. Um, I thought about how um, you were saying, Derek, like imagine a world where nation doesn't rise up against nation. And the thing is, like this time last year, I think it would have been really easy for me to think of that because even though like war is happening, um, that process of national domination and violence is happening all the time. I think um, Russia's war on Ukraine has really brought that into my consciousness this year Um, and the senselessness of it. And to your point, Ty, I've, um, I'm a person, like, I live with a great deal of hope, um, like, all the time. Like, I have great hope in God, and um, even though, like, honestly, like, I get really stressed out sometimes about, like, civil conflict in our country, um, I'm a person who, like, I'm still able to have hope in that, where I think, um, like, I'm able to summon the um, the encouragement that I see in the New Testament, where the apostles like call us to, to to like have the peace of God even in these unpredictable circumstances, 
And yet um, I have so much privilege where like I have I have a good friend who lives in Poland and the way that he received the news about there being an attack in his country, about there being like people killed by Russian weapons in his country um, is so different from the way that I received that news. And it's not because I have more faith or because I'm a better person or that I deserve to have safety from violence. Um, But there are so many people who are celebrating this Advent season who will die from violence during Advent. (laughs) Um, And it's just one of the mysteries that I'm holding of both like I want to carry that hope. I want to carry my own hope. I want to carry that universal hope that God will make all things right in the end. And I don't want. There's a big truck going by. Um, These walls are really thin. Um, And I also don't want, want to lose sight of the reality of suffering that's constantly happening, even as I believe in God's work in the world. Oh, great. (laughs) You can hear it. It's great. Love it, Brooke. Thank you for that. Thank you all for putting some real-time color to my prophetic word. I appreciate it. Um, And with that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back, my friends. Friends, we're back and we're going right to our psalm for this first Sunday in Advent. And Brooke's going to talk to us about Psalm 122. Take it away, my friend. Yes. Um, So I had Psalm 122 and I was not very excited to have Psalm 122 because I, as I recently told Derek, I was like, Derek, we just talked about this. Um, I really have trouble engaging with the psalms. I just, some people love them. And I, I admire their enjoyment of the Psalms. Like every time I get one of those like books, those little Bibles that they give you at, you know, like they pass out the little Bibles with like the Psalms and the Gospels. I'm like, why are the Psalms in here? It just blows my mind. Um, But I'm trying, I'm really, really trying to um, I don't know, like slowly change my relationship to them. And I read it and I felt very gifted because there is beauty in this psalm. Um, so according to this Bible, I think it's an NRSV. It says that this is a song of praise and prayer for Jerusalem, a song of ascents of David. Um, and basically, okay, for me, it's important to give like the story of the psalm because there kind of is this story here. Um, the psalmist writes about how um, how they're called. They're called to go up to the house of the Lord. And so they, it sounds like they go to Jerusalem and then there's something about, about what Jerusalem is and the purpose of it and how all the nation, all the tribes come here to worship. Um, and how great that is, and a little bit of the history of it. And then it talks about praying for the peace of Jerusalem and 
um, just wishing peace and for Jerusalem to be a place of peace. And I actually found a lot in this passage. Um, the first verse I want to pull out is Psalm 122.3, Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together. I um, I do Bible and Breathe for CCW, which is um, we use Lectio Divina to go deeper and deeper and deeper into passages. And especially during the pandemic, what I loved about Lectio Divina was that it kind of like brought me out of my house. Like I loved when passages gave me sensory details that took me somewhere else. And that's what I see. That's what I see in this verse. Like I can see it built as a city um, bound firmly together. And it also takes me, because um, I've really, um, my last year of college, I had the great privilege of going to Israel, Palestine. And I went to Jerusalem. I used to say St. Augustine was my favorite city. And now I have to say it's my second favorite city because I just love Jerusalem so much. Um, I, um, it was weird. Like I only got four hours of sleep the night before. Cause you know, like moving around and like buses and stuff, but it, um, it was still like the best day of my life. And it's hard to put words to like how beautiful Jerusalem is. Like it was just, it was just so beautiful and it felt so sacred and significant and alive to me. Um, so I appreciate it because I can actually like, I can feel it in my body. Like I would also be very excited <laughs> to go up to Jerusalem to worship God. So I, um, that resonated with me in this passage. Um, the other, the other verse that I want to pull out verses is Psalm 122, 6 through 8, which is, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For the sake of my relatives and friends, I say, peace be within you. Um, okay, so I grew up Catholic, right? And I know other churches do this too, but it's like always a prayer of the service, right? You have a moment where you pause and you say, peace be with you. Everyone says, peace be with you. Um, and it's just what you do. Like, I don't know if people do this anymore. Like you shake hands, like it's friendly. Um, there is a time when, when my cousins would go to church with us and I don't know what this girl did to her, but like one of the girls who like sat a few rows ahead of us, like, I don't know, like there was something going on there. So she would always like matter and she'd go, peace be with you. Um, <laughs> it really, <laughs> it, it just cracked us up. Um, but it's one of those things that like, it's so routine, like saying peace be with you. Or like when I was in Israel, Palestine, they would say shalom. Um, like it's such, such a beautiful thing to me because you're like wishing peace to someone, but it's so easy to get caught up in doing that and not think about the significance of it. Um, but it really is such a deep thing to wish peace for someone. Like I, such an incredible thought of like, if we wished peace, if we all had peace in ourselves and how that would transform the world to have peace, like such, 
such a beautiful thought and and such a radical one, honestly, right now to think about, um, even just thinking about going to the holidays with families, you know, um, I know, I imagine there are families that know a lot of peace, but there's also a lot of families who don't know a lot of peace um, and the divisions in the United States right now. Um, also just the divisions in the world right now and the violence in the world, even thinking about the violence. Um, I mean, to think about peace in Jerusalem, what a resonant thought that is right now. And yet, even as they were writing this, as the psalmist was writing this, um, like if you read the Old Testament, like it really is like Game of Thrones. Like there's not not a lot of like peace in Jerusalem, you know. Um, like they were aware of those realities of division, of violence, of hatred, of pettiness, of like our humanness, and yet to still have this hope to pray for peace in Jerusalem, to pray for peace and our families and relatives, like, I'm sure they were wild then too, you know, um, and to me, it gives me, um, gives me that sense, and it is complicated by what I talked about earlier with, like, I can't have hope, and I have a lot of privileges that impact my ability to hope, but even despite that, I'd say, I don't think the psalmist was a stranger to that hope. I, I believe that we I feel called to to still have that radical hope in Jesus. And it's that hope, like, I don't think, I'm, I could be, I hope I'm wrong, but like, I don't think we're all going to like reach Christmas day and like, this is the year when like, there will be, we will all know peace on earth. You know, we'll all have that like great sense of peace. Um, but I do believe that we are called, I feel called to have this incredible hope and Jesus, that that is what God wants for us. That is what God intends for us. And I believe that somehow that will be done in Jerusalem and in the hearts and lives of everyone. And I feel, I feel very brightened by that hope. Beautiful, Brooke. Ty, you hear anything that resonated with you in that? Yeah, this um this just gave me I just kept thinking about community um the whole time. And specifically, Brooke, where you started by saying Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. I I thought of this image um of like embers in a in a like dying fire um that like if you keep those embers together, like they will stay warm. Um, but if they're scattered apart, they're going to, they're going to go cold. Um, and I like that, that image, or I, I think, I don't know. I think that image is giving me that like people that are connected to each other in the hope of Christ, like can keep that hope alive in each other. Um, and it also goes back to, to the passing of the peace that you mentioned that, that we have this, um, and we, I, I haven't been to, um, a church in a while that does this, but my church growing up did it as well. Um, I, I grew up in a, a, a very old United Methodist church. Um, and every Sunday we would pass the peace where you just turn around and, and, um, say, peace be with you to your neighbor. And, 
and you would just chat for a second um, and ask how they're doing, ask how their family is, how they're, you know, how's, how's your daughter, oh, your mom was, was sick, how's your mom doing? Some people would go leave their pew, which was a big deal, and go walk down to another pew to talk to somebody to, to pass the peace. My mom would do that. Um, and it really is this, I mean, there's the, the image of worshiping together all in the same room. Um, and that's connectional in and of itself. Um, but this intentional time of connection and growing together, uh, and becoming more closely compacted together, um, gives me, um, a great sense of peace, I think. I love that. And I, I'll say that I, I really appreciate it, Brooke, your, your thought that the, sometimes these words uh, in, in all kinds of literature, but it definitely in the scriptures that have this ability to take us to another place. Um, I, I, there's something to that and, that and how that sort of, again, stirs the imagination and, and, and forces our imagination to do some, some work. Because I wonder you know, how a person reads that psalm or hears that psalm when the walls of Jerusalem weren't built up, <laughs> when the city was, was under siege and wasn't, wasn't necessarily this like compacted together, strong built kind of city, right? Like, or what does it mean to hear words that say peace to Jerusalem or peace to you when there isn't? And, and the ways that those words really do in a sense, force us to go to a different place in our hearts and in our minds. Um, so I, I appreciated uh, those thoughts. And I'm going to take us into the gospel text, um, which normally there won't be one person doing two texts this first week, uh, first week of Advent. Yes, there is, but that won't always be the case. So I just it, it's Matthew 24. Uh, verses 36 through 40, uh, actually 44, 36 through 44. And I, I just have to say, like, I often heard these words from a very, um, as an image of a dark thing. So I just read like this first verse, but nobody knows when that day or hour will come, not the heavenly angels and not the sun, only the father knows. Uh, that was verse uh, 36. Um, and, and it goes on to say, if you, you keep going, uh, verse 42, therefore stay alert. You don't know what what day the Lord is coming, but you understand that if the head of the house knew to knew at what time the thief would come, he would keep alert and wouldn't allow the thief to break into his house. Therefore you, therefore you also should be prepared because the human one will come at a time you don't know. And I guess when I originally, or many years uh, hearing this text, I didn't hear it in the context of Advent. I usually heard it in the context of uh, the coming day of the Lord, which does have an Advent connection, but I just, I didn't normally hear it that way. I heard it with this very sort of uh, uh, retribution, God's coming back to like deal with God's enemies. Jesus is going to come back and judge the world. And you better be on the right side of that moment. You don't know what day. So make sure you're not doing something that like, you, you know, like, I'm not going to say it, but that, like, that's how I would hear. That's how I normally would hear. But because I'm an Advent and because my understanding of Advent leads me towards hope, leads me towards expectation, pushes me towards the, the, the joy of the manger that we are anticipating, 
I'm now hearing these words differently. I'm not seeing a dark cloud coming, but I'm also seeing, I don't know if this helps, if anybody gets this, but I see like this really bright cloud and all of this sunlight and like this, I, I, I there's another, another scripture that connects to this, but I just see brightness coming where there has been darkness and no one knows when the, the brightness is coming. No one knows when the break of dawn actually will be, but it's coming. And oh my gosh, on that day, like it's good. And that's how I'm seeing it. That's how I'm reading it. And I wonder what happens to me when I think about these ideas of, of the human one coming, um, you know, they make connections to the flood and that's a judgment. Um, that's kind of a judgment image. So what is what do I do with a passage of scripture if I don't think of it in a dark cloud, but think of it in, in brightness and think of it as the dawn? And I, I wonder how we read passages like this, ideas like Revelation, which obviously have this these layers of judgment and retribution. But I think for the people of God, the way that we our reason for waiting for the advent, the second advent, if you will, is that it's going to be brightness where there has been darkness. And I, I do wonder how that shapes our reading, how that stirs our imaginations, how that sort of enlivens our hope. Um, and so that that's my kind of thought and take on this really awesome text of Matthew 24, Brooke Ty. Uh, what do y'all think about any of that stuff that I just said? I, um, yeah, this is one of those passages. Um, and again, like growing up Catholic, I have um, like those bodily memories of like hearing some of the texts. And I'm like, I know the priest is going to talk about how like, this is, this is good news. But I'm like, this is not like, one being left in the field. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't give me good vibes. Um, and one of the radical things that um, I think, especially being in spiritual community lately has really changed in me and given me grounding to believe. Um, Campus City Wesley just had a retreat where we talked about um, secure attachment and secure attachment to God. Um, and Crispin Mayfield, am I saying his name right? Yeah, he, um, he just said such beautiful things about how, um, kind of empowering us to read and engage in Christian life, like claiming a secure attachment to God, um, which for me, like translates into, um, a fundamental part of my theology, which is like believing that God is love, God is light. And that's uncomplicated. And it's not like God is love and God hates. It's like, oh no, like God is love. Um, and that's what that's what I hear you bringing to this text, which like I like to use more Methodist language. Like it's it's reading the scripture through the light of Christ. It's reading the scripture through the light of Jesus. We know that like Jesus is here to bring light and hope and peace and joy. That's what we believe. That's what we're remembering. And to read this in that context, which is like what we're supposed to do in this season, um, is so beautiful and refreshing for me. Um, and I 
I just feel inspired to bring that with me into the text. I'm listening to the Pray As You Go app. And for some reason, they're going through what they call the book of the apocalypse, revelations. And and it's funny because they'll like read this, like, it sounds kind of horrifying story. And then they're like, what fears do you want to bring to God today? It's like, it's great. I don't know. But I mean, even there, like the passage we read today is like God washing God's enemies, like, like wine you know, like a wine press, like God will do to God's enemies, like a wine press. And I'm like, I don't know, that doesn't sound violent to me. And just feeling empowered to, to bring these new images and this idea of brightness of, of when God speaks about these things, it is about brightness, it is about love. And how can we, how can we find that in the text? Um, I really, really appreciate that. And y'all are going to learn. I just talk a lot. So I'm on a journey to talk less. But we're going to get there. <laughs> I think, um, Derek and Brooke, you really um, gave me thoughts about this. And, and I, I think really summed it up very well. Uh, I don't know if I have anything to, to add. It's all good, my friend. Um, I'll close this with an attempt to sort of draw a connection to all four of these texts. It's not going to be pretty, um, but hopefully it'll be bright. Um, But I I think that we are, we're in this first week of Advent, this first week of having our expectations raised, having our imaginations stirred, having um, our hope re-engaged. And I think it's important um, on so many levels, it's important because in the northern hemisphere, the the days are the the darkness is is it. There's more darkness than light in the northern hemisphere. But even even in the southern hemisphere, um, I I know that there's this sense that the 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 because the the seasons tend to be different in the southern hemisphere so there's there's this heat and i guess for me like heat is never associated with good things maybe it is for a lot of other people for me i'm like it's hot i just can't jesus come save me uh but even beyond that there's the there's this need i think in 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 our rhythms to have moments where somebody reminds us that it won't always be this way that we don't we won't always be dealing with war. We won't always be dealing with pain. We won't always be dealing with struggle. Um, and I'm grateful for words like what we heard in Romans. I think the Romans text tie is it, sort of saying like, since we won't always be dealing with this, let's stop acting like we would. Let's not la- acting like this is all there is. There's so much more. I think that's in many ways what the, the prophet and Isaiah is trying to get us that there's gonna come this moment. Yeah, you know it, you know it's in you that there's this moment that this won't be the way things always are. Um, I think the Psalm that that speaking of peace is the speaking the 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 future into us and even the day nor the hour of Matthew like nobody knows when the brightness is coming but make no mistake it's coming and so I hope that in this first week of Advent we might consider the ways 
yes, that the Holy Spirit is trying to help us see things that we have already kind of seen, but it's just, and Ty, you kind of said this, it's like every time something happens, it, it just, it begins to like cloud out or get on top of the stuff that's like underneath that. And, and I hope that this season that the Holy Spirit will help us unearth that, that hidden hope, unearth those mysteries of what could be. Um, and I, I do, I, I, I love Brooke again, that the way that that could take us to a different place in our imaginations. And then maybe with the words of Paul in Romans that could then cause us to live differently in the world. So that was my attempt to connect all those dots. Uh, not perfect, but I tried. So Ty, why don't you close us out in prayer and uh, we'll, be, we'll uh, finish this episode. Let's pray. God, I come to you today um, with requests. Um, requests for peace in our time, peace on earth um, as we enter this Advent season. Um, there are words and phrases that uh, are coming to me from scripture and from hymns uh, that sum up, I think, this season and and my prayer to you today, which is um, to teach us how to beat our swords into plowshares. Um, teach us to be people of peace and not of violence, of war, but people of harmony, um, people who trust each other, people who trust in you. Um, God, would you be for us a sunrise, be for us um, that thrill of hope um, that would lead our weary world to rejoice. God, we love you and we thank you and we praise you for all things and all that you are and all that you do. Amen. Thank you, Brooke. Thank you, Ty. Thanks, friends, for joining us uh, for this episode of Studio Wesley Annex. We'll see you next week. And so everybody have a great first week of Advent. Be well. Bye.